warning to the Christians, do not be arrogant. Romans chapter 9 to 11 has challenged Christians for centuries. Paul was addressing Jewish believers in Rome who had been instructing their Gentile brethren to become Jews by circumcision and knowledge of the law. However, when we arrive at Romans 11 verse 13, Paul suddenly shifts by announcing, I am speaking to you who are Gentiles. Paul must refute the false doctrine of the Gentile, I mean of the Jewish believers, which he develops in the next 14 verses. Paul begins by likening Gentile believers with the grain offering of the temple. We remember that at the time Paul was writing his letter, the temple had not yet been destroyed by the Romans, and the practice of temple sacrifice would have been a central feature in Judaism. If the first piece of dough is holy, Paul declared, the lump is also. That's in Romans 11.16. First piece is the Greek word aparche, which means first fruits. The people of Israel gave to God the first fruits of their animals and agricultural produce. A gift of first fruits was considered the very best that one could give to God. The grain offering was one of these first fruit gifts, which was a round patty of bread made from fine flour mixed with a little oil and frankincense. A person would break the unleavened grain offering at home and would then bring it to a priest at the temple. The priest would divide the offering into two portions, one for God and the other for the priest to keep and eat. The priest would burn God's portion on the altar, which would become a sweet aroma caused by the frankincense. God would smell the sweet aroma and would then accept this gift from the giver. <clears throat> so if this gift to God of a grain offering is holy, then the lump is also. Well, what is the lump? Let us stop here for a moment and consider the parallel lines of this verse. If the first piece of dough is holy, the lump is also. If the root is holy, the branches are also. That's Romans eleven sixteen. The Greek word translated lump is for ama, that which has been mixed in. Thus the lump is what has been mixed in when kneading the grain flour to make a gift of first fruits. What has been mixed in? In a literal sense, frankincense and oil have been kneaded into the flour. This vivid imagery produces a rich metaphor that stands for those who have been mixed into God's family by God. By their faith in God's Son, God has accepted the unholy Gentiles into his household. However, what is the first fruit offering into which the Gentile believers have been mixed? I suggest that with typical biblical artistry of language, there are two answers, and both are valid. We learn from the New Testament that Yeshua was the first fruits out from the dead. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20 and 23. He was a holy offering to God. The cross on which he was crucified was the altar. The gift of his life was a sweet aroma to God because it allowed the Father to resurrect his Son out from the dead. God has mixed in the unholy Gentile believers with his holy Son. Then Paul continues, If the root is holy, then the branches are also. The root is what holds and stabilizes a plant. The root is Yeshua the Messiah. This image is likely an echo of a passage in Isaiah. In that day, speaking of the prophetic future, the nations will seek the root of Jesse, who will stand as a sign for the peoples, and his resting place will be glorious. That's Isaiah 11, verse 10. Jesse was the father of David, and the Messiah came from the line of David. 
The nations are Gentiles who will seek the Messiah. The Messiah will become a sign to those who will see and recognize him. The Messiah is the root of Jesse. We are ready now for the imagery of the olive tree. Olive trees grow well in the Mediterranean climate of Israel. In the hill country, where Jerusalem is located, they cover the hillsides with horizontal lines of terraced farming. These olive trees are propagated by taking new sucker roots from the ground and grafting them into the branches of other olive trees. The olive trees are also pruned each year to preserve only those shoots that have produced flowers during the preceding year. Those branches that are not producing new life will be cut off and destroyed. Now we can apply this imagery to Paul's words in Romans. Remember, Paul is talking to Gentiles in the Christian community in Rome who have been listening to the teaching of their Jewish brethren that circumcision and knowledge of the law are required to participate in the household of God. Listen now to Paul. If some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive, were grafted in among them and became partaker with them of the rich root of the olive tree, that's in Romans eleven seventeen. some of the olive branches have been broken off, insists Paul. I have concluded, based on my study of Romans 9 to 11, that these are Jews who have been born to the birthright, viewed as branches on an olive tree, but have been broken off because God has declared them unworthy of this inheritance of the birthright. Thus, they will not participate in the future role of the remnant. Unproductive branches are not bearing fruit. They have been pruned so new life can grow. The new life is the Gentile believers that have been grafted in. Paul now demands our attention with these words to the Gentile believers. Do not be arrogant toward the branches. But if you are arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. Quite right. They were broken off for their unbelief, but you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Romans 11 verses 18 to 21. The repetition of arrogant rings in our ears. The sense of the original Greek word means more than mere pride. The word means to exult or triumph over others, in this case, the Jews. Paul is warning the Gentile believers in Rome not to see themselves as superior over their Jewish brethren who have been seriously chastised by Paul. This is not a new message. Paul has been saying the same thing since the beginning of Romans 9.1. Paul is selecting, no, I'm sorry, God is selecting a remnant, but now he turns to the Gentile believers and directs the same message to them. If God did not spare the natural branches, meaning those Jews who are not worthy of the remnant, neither will he spare you, speaking to the Gentile believers in Rome. God will select a remnant, both from Israel and also from Gentile believers in Christ, and many Jewish and Gentile members of God's household will be found unworthy. Paul concludes with words that require our serious consideration. Behold then the kindness and the severity of God to those who fall, severity, referring to the Jewish believers who are teaching a false gospel, but to you, Gentile believers, who have been added to God's household, God's kindness, if, and this is a big if, you continue in his kindness, otherwise you will be cut off. Romans 11.22 Let us look at this verse as Gentiles would have received it. 
they probably responded in three ways. Their most likely first reaction would have been to perceive the severity of God that was directed toward those Jews who were not worthy to inherit the birthright. They had been cut off from the holy root, meaning they had separated themselves from their Lord Yeshua. These Jews are their brethren in the Christian community in Rome, but they have been insisting on knowledge of the law as the way to righteousness. The second reaction of the Gentiles who were listening to Paul's letter would likely have been the incredible kindness of God. What a wonderful loving God who takes pagan Gentiles into his arms simply by their believing in his son. The third and perhaps the most powerful reaction would have been Paul's warning. God is not treating Gentile believers any differently from the way he is treating the children of Israel. We hear this principle first in Deuteronomy. The Lord your God does not show partiality, Deuteronomy 10.17. In the New Testament, Peter understood this principle after his vision of unclean animals that God declared to be clean. I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, Peter confessed in Acts 10.34. Paul also asserted this understanding in his letter to the Romans. There is no partiality with God, he declared, Romans 2.11. Because God shows no partiality, God will cut off the branches of Gentile believers in Christ who are not bearing fruit. Paul has told us that God has shown kindness to the Gentiles when they first believed in his son. This is the first aspect of salvation that gives them the promise of eternal life. However, there is a condition for receiving continuing kindness which will affect both their lives today and the nature of their future inheritance. God will continue to show them kindness only, as Paul tells us, if you continue in his kindness, otherwise you also will be cut off. This is the second aspect of salvation that gives the Gentile believers in Christ a life of peace and harmony with God now, and the possibility that they may qualify for the role of the remnant at some time in the future. God is making that selection, and who are we to answer back to God? I suggest there are two important principles in Paul's dialogue. First, we must be careful not to condemn Jews who have failed to accept Yeshua as the promised Messiah, which results in elevating ourselves with the sin of pride. They belong to God and will undoubtedly accept Yeshua at some time in the future. Second, just because believers in Christ have received the first aspect of salvation, which gives them the promise of future eternal life with God, They are at risk of wailing and gnashing their teeth at the time of God's judgment when God will select a remnant. Let us commit to a life that pleases God.